0: Good evening.
1: Good evening. A warm welcome to the service this evening. <laughs> It was hard to get the food. It was hard to get the food. It was hard to get the was hard to get she was a man who 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 I was a man who 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 was a man a man who a I am a man who is their fame. are going hand, Kala. Let the in hand. the für diese gibt's ja in 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 Two of as a very identical show. My head could look as worse in you, Poshiva Piani. You Poshiva Pianistigun. the is The the home of the Skevach Deja San, the city of the city of the city mongolid jachkin and headed cool china kohanal and smart skidin outa de falla vasad mescuna mianic ungi deyrosin yodo outa de falla fianishin an am not going to be able to do anything. to be am when go to the the can I was in the city Durant, for to the Even the with. and I'm to studyifiqa. the world in the the whole thing that I've been talking the
0: If you could turn with me now, please, to Esther chapter 9. Esther chapter 9, and we'll read from verse 1. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those seeking their destruction. No one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces, and he became more and more powerful. The Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. They also killed Parshandatha, Dalphon, Aspatha, Paratha, Adaliah, Aridatha, Parmashta, Arisai, Ar and Vizatha, the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they did not lay their hands on the plunder. The number of those slain in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king that same day. The king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed five hundred men. And the ten sons of Haman in the citadel of Susa, what have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? It will also be granted. If it pleases the king, Esther answered, give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this day's edict tomorrow also, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on gallows." So the king commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they hanged the ten sons of Haman. The Jews and Susa came together on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they put to death in Susa three hundred men, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews, who were in the king's provinces, also assembled to protect themselves and get relief from their enemies. They killed seventy thousand of them, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. This happened on the thirteenth day, of the month of Adar, and on the fourteenth they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. Amen. And may God bless that reading of His. Let's pray as we come back to God's Word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chapter that we've read. We pray for understanding now as we come to study it, uh, for the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, as we look at these verses. We ask, Lord, that you would be near to us, that you would speak to us, that you would minister to us, and that we would know that you are God and that you are here with us. And what we pray uh, for ourselves here as we meet in this hour, we pray for those who'll meet uh, in the rest of the evening. We think of the tent mission uh, in Lochs this evening, and we pray for uh, Donnie or whoever will uh, speak at that that meeting this evening, that uh, we may know your presence and uh, that uh, the voice of God would be heard. And that the praise of God would be experienced and uh, would be real in that place. And uh, we pray uh, for Gordon as he speaks in Carloway tonight that you would bless him and equip him. And for all other congregations uh, where Christ crucified is preached. uh, We thank you, Lord, uh, that the the truth of the gospel is still able to be preached uh, in this place, in this island and across this nation. And we ask that uh, as the word goes forth, in different places at this time, that you would add your blessing, that you would build uh, your church. So help us, Lord, we pray. Cleanse us from sin. Uh, Empty us of all that would turn in upon ourselves and fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we may uh, hear your voice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Esther chapter 9. My time is short tonight, so uh, I'm going to get straight to it. Uh, We... Uh, Look at verse 1 of Esther uh, chapter 9, and we're given a a, a particular time and uh, date. We're told uh, that it's the 13th day of the 12th month, uh, the month of Adar. And that's a date uh, that has been on the calendar uh, of all of God's people in that place at that time. Because it's the date that was marked for the, the Holocaust, the annihilation, the destruction of of the Jews, of God's people, Uh, we could go back to Esther 3 and we could see that uh, in Esther 3, Haman, who was against God's people and against Mordecai in particular, uh, he had managed to get this law through uh, whereby God's people on this one single day were to be destroyed and killed and annihilated. It was comprehensive. And as we've traveled through this book, I haven't got time to go back over the the plot line but uh, as we've traveled through this book we saw uh, we saw this girl Esther she was just a 15 16 year old girl who's taken from obscurity and she's put in the palace for such a time as this. Uh, We see uh, her cousin uh, who who loved her like a father who loses one that he loved like a daughter and she's ripped away from him and put in the palace where he has no access to her, and he doesn't know what's going on with her. And then we see the rise of this, this evil Haman, who is against Mordecai, who is against the Jews, who is against our God himself. And he seems to be untouchable for so long. But we've come to a point now in the story where Haman, evil, vile Haman, has been killed. So the threat to Mordecai And the threat to Esther that came through Haman has now gone. But still, there is this edict where God's enemies and the enemies of God's people have a legal right to attack them and seek to destroy, kill, annihilate them. And so for a long time, this date has been looming. And now, Esther 9, verse 1, uh, the date has come. So first point is D-Day. I know when we think about D-Day, we immediately go back to 1944, uh, Second World War, the Normandy landings. And D-Day was a day of great significance. It was a day of joy for the Allies because it was clear that victory was close, and yet it was a day that signified the end of Nazi control. And the same applies here in this D-Day. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out, verse 1. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. But now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. So that's the, that's the headline you could say. That's in the bold print. That's the, the summary of what was going on as this chapter begins. For so long, it looked like God's people were finished. It looked like the cause was lost. It looked like they were going to be wiped off the face of the earth. But the tables were turned, we're told. And those who looked like they were to be overpowered, all of a sudden, have found themselves in a position of power. Where they were not only able to defend themselves, but they were able to overcome. And the question is, how so? How how was this made possible? And the answer is because God was at work. The great reversal that we see, the tables being turned, was affected because God was at work. And and He was with His people. And so what seemed for so long to be impossible, now was possible, it was inevitable. Was unstoppable because God was at work, and that's a pattern that we can we can trace all the way through uh, the Bible. Uh, take just a few characters. Think about Joseph. Uh, Joseph, uh, God's man. He's he's captured. Uh, he's imprisoned. It looks like he's finished, but God was with him, and God took him out of uh, the the depths of this prison where he looks to be absolutely hopeless and he puts him in the position of prime minister no explanation other than God was with him or think of Gideon Uh, he's he's taken to a place uh, where he's gone from is it 32,000 to 300 men of an army and he's facing this massive enemy Uh, the commentators uh, talk about I think it's 135,000 men against 300 The odds are ridiculous. He must surely be finished, everybody said. But God was with him. And God gave him the victory. Tables were turned. Or think of the cross. Imagine on that day, on Calvary's hill, seeing all that happened. Imagine watching as Jesus is arrested as this unjust trial progresses. As he is charged. As he is manhandled. As the nails are driven through his hands and feet. Imagine looking in on that scene as Jesus suffers and hangs on the cross. Imagine uh, listening from a a close distance, uh, hearing Jesus cry out, it is finished. And breathe his last. On that day. In that moment. From an onlooker's point of view. It looked like Jesus was overpowered. It looked like the cause was lost. It looked like Satan had finished Jesus. It looked like he was overcome. But always not as it seemed. just as Jesus had taught on the third day the tables were turned and Jesus rose and it was crystal clear that he was not finished but sin and Satan and death and hell were finished for all who believed in Jesus so often we see in scripture Uh, these D-days great reversals the tables being turned and as we uh, look in on this as we read this uh, chapter remember this was their God but this is our God and he does not change And he has not lost any of his ancient power. Uh, God was able, God still is able, to do more than we can ask or think or imagine. So I don't know what D-days might be on your horizon. There might be situations, there might be people that trouble you. You see no way through. Uh, You see what in human terms, appears to be a lost cause. Sometimes we look at these things with human eyes and we want to give up. But let's remember, as we encounter these D-Days, that our God is able to do more than we can ask or think or imagine. So trust him. And worship him. So first point is d day. The second point is uh, we see here the deliverance of of God's people. And we see that in in verses uh, 2 through to to verse 4. The Jews assembled in their cities, verse 2, in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those seeking their destruction. No one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. Remember, he's gone from being this this low-level, unknown civil servant to prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces and he became more and more powerful. And so, even as we look at these few verses, we can see that uh, on this day that Haman expected God's people to be destroyed, they were saved. It's crystal clear to anyone looking in that they were delivered, they were, they were saved. So just think a little more for a moment about their deliverance. What was it that they did to secure this deliverance, this salvation? You know, was it their great number that uh, enabled them to be, to be delivered? Well, clearly not, because like Gideon, they were massively outnumbered in this empire. So so was it their military might? Was it that they were strong and powerful and armed to the teeth? Is that what made it possible for them? And is that what actually achieved this victory for them? Uh, Was it their military might? Well, no, it wasn't because they didn't have horses. They didn't have chariots. They didn't have tanks. They didn't have guns. They didn't have smart missiles. They had nothing. So how was it that God's people were delivered? How did this turnaround come about, what was the cause? Who was behind it? And the answer is God. God was behind this. The deliverance came from God. And remember, we don't find the name of God once in the book of Esther. No one his name mentioned nowhere is prayer mentioned, nowhere is Bible reading mentioned. There is no recognizable uh, religious uh, ritual. Uh, There is no visible miraculous intervention on the part of God in in the book of Esther. But what we see is that God is constantly active in providence. The, The ordinary and the extraordinary events of life, God is in the midst of them. And you could track back through all the previous chapters and see time and time again, God is working. He's not named in the book, but we cannot but see him. The reason, verse 2, that no one could stand against the Jews was because God was standing with them. And the reason, verse 2, that all the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them and the reason, verse 3, that the fear of Mordecai had seized them was because they could see the power of God at work in and through Mordecai and in and through all of God's people. As these other nations looked in, they could just see. They were not on their own, the Jewish people. God was with them. So their deliverance was not because of what they did. It was because of what God did. It wasn't through their works. It was through God's work. And there is a picture as we apply this of our salvation. How can you and I be delivered from death? And all of us are going to face death one day but how can we pass through it? How can we be delivered from the the cords of death? How can we be delivered from the devil who is much stronger than we in our human strength are? How can we be delivered from the sin that so easily entangles us? How can we be delivered from hell? Well, the answer is not through our strength and not through our might, not through our power, not through our good works, not through our religion, Not through our reputation. Not through our intelligence. There is nothing that you and I can do to save ourselves. Nothing. Salvation is of the Lord. He is the one who delivers us. And He delivers us when we call out to Him. And it's that simple. So let me ask all of us, young ones in particular, I know we go to sleep for a long time in these services, but just just tune in for a second. Have you asked the Lord to save you? Have you asked him to deliver you? Because whether we're three or whether we're 93, we're all struggling with sin. We're all eventually going to come to the last day of, our time in this world and after this world uh, there is a world that never ends we can either go to be with God in heaven or we can go to be apart from him in hell. and the only way that we can be saved is if we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus he went to the cross to die for us he took the punishment of our sin away but he wants us to trust him and he'll only save those who ask him to save them. So have you young ones, middle-aged ones, older ones, have we asked the Lord to deliver us? Uh, we sang this in the in the Psalm. We do this through prayer. I love the Lord, verse uh, Psalm 116. I love the Lord because my voice and prayers He did hear. I, while I live, not when we come to the point of death, because that's too late. I, while I live, will call on Him who bows to me His ear. Think about that: the God of Heaven bowing His ear to those who who pray from a seat just now. Of death the cords and sorrows did about me compass round; they're all around me. The pains of hell took hold of me. We feel that worry sometimes. I grief and trouble find. So what did I do? Sama psalmist says, Upon the name of God the Lord, then did I call and say, Deliver thou my soul. O Lord, I do thee humbly pray. God merciful and righteous is, gracious is our Lord. God saves the meek. I was brought low. He did me help afford. You know, on that day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the day that they feared, God saved them. It was a a day when they knew the joy of of their deliverance. The Jews could look back to that day, and they still do. But we look back to Calvary, don't we? We look back to the cross. That's where our deliverance was secured, and we did nothing to secure it. Jonathan Edwards said, You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. So, the deliverance of God's people. Are we delivered? Are we saved? And finally, the destruction of God's enemies. Verse 5. You see this destruction as we go down from verse 5 to uh, the, the end of where we read. The Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them. And they did what they pleased to those who hated them. Now, you read that line, they did what they pleased to those who hated them. You think, what does that mean? Does that mean war crimes? Well, no, it doesn't mean war crimes. That One commentator says... This clause does not imply that the Jews act sadistically towards those who hate them, but rather that the Jews have no difficulty in dispatching quickly their enemies. And that makes sense because we we know God was with them. So as they faced enemies, they did what they pleased. It was easy for them to overpower their enemies because God was with them. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. And then they killed these 10 sons of Hamadatha, uh, whom I struggled to read the first time. I'm not going to read the second time. So we we see Haman. Haman is gone. Evil Haman, who we saw for uh, so many weeks, uh, who seemed so uh, powerful, he's gone. Uh, And now Haman's sons are gone too. His name is gone. You know, if we were to rewind Esther 5, we... We can see Haman on a day when he's he's full of his own self-importance and he's boasting about his vast wealth, he's boasting about his many sons, he's boasting about how important and how honoured he is. And now Haman has nothing. He is gone. And everything that he boasted about is gone. Jesus said in Mark 8.36, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul. And for a a short time, Haman had gained the whole world. For a short time, as he raged against God, he had his hands on everything he could ever have dreamed on. Money and power and success and fame. But now he's lost everything. Verse 11. The number of those slain in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king that same day. The king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men. And the ten sons of Haman, the citadel of Susa, what have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? And so Xerxes, when he picks up the newspaper and he reads about this mass killing, uh, he's in no way disturbed by this. He's actually very entertained by all this violence and bloodshed. So he says to Esther, you have any more wishes? Ask me whatever you want. I'll give it to you. You've you've done a good thing today. Just ask me whatever you want. What is your petition? Verse 12. It will be given you. What is your request? It will also be granted. And Esther replies in verse 13. If it pleases the king. Give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this edict. This day's edict tomorrow also. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged on gallows. So the king commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they hanged the ten sons of Haman. This is kind of gruesome stuff. You know, we've come through this book, and you kind of hope maybe that it's going to come to a happy, peaceful ending. But there's quite a lot of blood and gore and grit in the climax of this book. And, And the question, I think, we would ask when we hear Esther's petition... Uh, to extend one day's killing to two days, why does she do this? Why does she ask for this? And the reason that she asks for this is because Esther is being used to administer God's judgment. She is an agent on this day that God is using to judge his enemies. And remember, God's judgment it's never bad tempered. It's never impulsive. You know the way we fly off the handle and we lash out at people. God doesn't do that. His wrath, his judgment is calm, it is settled, it is controlled. And if we stand back from this scene and look at Haman's people uh, who are called the Amalekites, for generations, hundreds of years, they have been attacking God's people and they have been raging against God. You can go tonight to Deuteronomy 25 and you can read in that uh, section uh, where God speaks uh, to his people and he says, remember what the Amalekites did. Remember when you were coming out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn out, they met you on the journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. And that's what they did. As God's people were traveling uh, out of, of Egypt, the Amalekites, they, they attacked them. And, and those who were lagging behind, the women, the children, uh, those who were, who were suffering with various ailments, they wiped them out. No mercy. Bloodshed. They have no fear of God. And God reminds them of that in Deuteronomy 25. In Deuteronomy uh, was written about 1400 years before Christ. Esther was written about 400 years before Christ. For a thousand years, God has looked on these enemies and He has given them time to repent of all that they had done, all the rebellion against uh, His people and against Him. He, he'd given a thousand years for them to repent, but they would not repent. They kept on attacking, they kept on rebelling. Uh, They had no fear of God. And so after all this time. God showing them such great patience. The day for judgment had come. And Esther was being used. To blot out the name of Amalek. So yes this is gruesome. But it's the picture of a God who justly judges those who rebel against him. It's the picture of a a God who cares for his people and protects his people from those who rage against them because he loves them. And in relation to the hanging, we see the ten sons of Haman hanged. And in that context, uh, hanging was a picture of the the curse of God so those who looked in on Haman's ten sons could see on this day that they had met God's judgment so yes this is hard to read and it's hard to preach but when we read this and when we think about uh, the judgment and when we think about the hanging we can't help but think about Jesus surely God's son. God's only son. Who was hanged on the tree to take the curse of our sin upon himself, to take the judgment of God in a far greater measure than we see in this chapter. It fell upon Jesus. So that we would not be destroyed because of our sin, but rather we would be delivered from our sin. saved by the blood of Jesus and we'll leave it there tonight Heavenly Father we pray that you would help us to understand that you would help us to heed uh, your word we thank you that although we are sinners and although we are rebels against you by nature and by practice uh, you have made it possible for judgment to be withheld mercy to be shown Grace to be shown because of all that Jesus has done on our behalf. We thank you that he took the wrath that we deserve. We thank you that he went to the cross. He took the curse of our sin into his body so that we could be saved if we believe in him. So enable each of us, we pray, to believe, to call upon the name of the Lord so that we will not be destroyed, but that we will be delivered from our sin and saved eternally we pray this in Jesus name, Amen Uh, I'm going to ask uh, Jim Sim to uh, close the service in prayer Lord Father I pray tonight that you've created us a
1: clean heart take us from this place Lord to
0: people who are here tonight help us that we might walk each one of us with you and be ready for that day when you will come to this place again or
1: until the day we will call us Bless the preaching of your work today, Lord, wherever it has gone and
0: wherever it will go forth. It will nice, bring much fruit for our Savior. In Jesus' name.